everybody. My guest this week does not have a familiar name, but you might know him by his longtime alter ego. It's Rob Wykall, who for 16 years was the Spurs mascot, Coyote. Wykall announced last week that he was finally hanging up his outfit, largely because he was diagnosed with a rare form of arthritis. Wykall and I talk about his favorite bits, how he became the Coyote in the first place, and what he's got planned next. Here's our conversation. Thought I was so very bold. Everyone told me to never leave home. I said, I said I'm sorry, but I've got to I go. spent so many years being, uh, not behind the scenes because I was in front of the camera, but being um, unknown, being anonymous, and for people to say my name, uh, somebody recognized me yeah. at a store I was at and it's almost I feel guilty because I'm not I never expected to be known right I've never been that guy so yeah um, so it was very weird to uh, this new life that I have yeah yeah I'm enjoying it yeah I love the stories I've always told the stories to my small little circle of friends and my family they've always heard these hilarious great amazing um, you know some that are touching some that are funny stories mm-hmm. um, but I've never told the general public so it's fun for me because there are things that uh, that's why I thought this would be neat to uh, to tell these stories because I lived a surreal life I used to say all the time it's such a weird world that I live in yeah well, you did it for 16 years, right? Mm-hmm. 16 years. Just under, yeah. Okay. And so, you know, you had this, uh, it's, I don't know, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it feels like this would be a, a, a key experience in your life when, you know, when they write the, the Rob Call story, being the coyote is going to be a huge part of that. Right, yeah. I mean, I'll have another career. I'm young enough where I'll do some other stuff. But really, yeah, everything I've always known, uh, my legacy will always be centered around my time at the Spurs. Yeah. Um, that's always going to be a large chunk of that. No matter what I do, great, no matter, uh, or bad, I guess, it's always going to be he was the Spurs Coyote. That's going to be part of it. How does it feel that a part of that, like the a requisite part of that is anonymity to a certain extent? I was used to it. It was part of the gig. I mean, it's what I signed up for. Um and there's some comfort to that too. Mm. Um, you know, I would talk to players, um, and we would talk about the fact that I'm the lucky one because everybody <laughs> loves the coyote, just like they love the players. But I get to go to Whole Foods and shop with my kids, and I get to go to restaurants, and I get to do all those things that they didn't get to do, or they would do, but they were stopped and had the had to go through that process. I never had to go through it. it was like I. I can go do whatever I want. Nobody knows who I am. Um, so there was that side of it too. But you know what? I've thoroughly enjoyed the times when I am recognized because it's been such a positive experience. It's people saying, hey, you know, I appreciate you talking about arthritis and my aunt has it or I have it or somebody in my family has it and it, we're struggling with it. Um, even people that I knew that didn't know I had it because I had never really told many people except my immediate, immediate family. So before we get too far down what's coming next for okay. you, let's uh, uh, let's go back a little bit and talk about where this started. I'm interested to know about the path that one takes in order to become an NBA mascot. What does that look like? Yeah, it's, uh, 
you know, it's such a small little world industry mascotting, especially then NBA mascotting. And there's 25, I think, guys who do it in the country. Right. Um, and there's, I always said, there's 25 different ways that hmm. those guys became NBA mascots. It's not like an accountant. You don't just go to college, you get your certificate, and then you go do it. So my path was that I had never, you know, people would ask, did you mascot in college? Did you mascot? I never had mascoted in my life before, but I had performed. I had done theater all through my life. Um, I had an agent, was had done some TV films, so I had acted all okay. my life, and then I was an athlete. I had played doing soccer. comedic run, stuff or yeah, dramatic usually or, yeah. comedic okay. um, was more my style. Did yeah. you do stand up or any of that stuff? I never did. Okay. I was always interested in it, but uh, too much of a scaredy cat, and I sure. never did it. Um, <laughs> but I'd done live theater and um, and some TV and film stuff. But again, it was all usually comedy kind of stuff because that was my nature. And then I had been an athlete, and you know, I had competed running and in soccer all through. Uh, elementary, middle, high school, and then um, out of high school, I started working at SeaWorld okay. of Texas. I right. think we call it SeaWorld San Antonio now, um, in the water ski show. So I started, okay. I would announce the water ski show, so that was my acting side, and then I skied in it. Um, wow. So I did that all through college. Well, wait a second, what was, tell me about what is involved in being a water skier at SeaWorld. What what are you doing? What, what it's demands show skiing. that take? Okay. So yeah. it's um, so what's that? barefooting. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. Jumping. Um, had you done that growing up? I had done that a lot of that growing up. Not all of it. Some of it I learned there because I was hired to be the announcer. I was hired as an actor. Okay. And while I was there, I just, in between shows, would practice. <laughs> um, and you're practicing with, by the way, I'm going to work on barefooting, but one of the best barefooters in the country works here. So you got those kind of people teaching you, you learn real quick. And uh, so I was very fortunate to learn a lot in a short amount of time because of that. Um, so then I sort of quit announcing it was just water skiing. Got okay. my degree, went and got a real job. I'm doing quotation marks. My the worst. Right now. Yeah. Yeah. And hated it. Sure. What were you doing? I, um, I was selling new homes in a subdivision oh, wow. for a new home builder. And, in San Antonio? Um, yep, in San Antonio. And I did it um, for about six or seven months and just, you know, 50 hours in one little room waiting for somebody to walk in to sell them a home. And I was just going nuts. Was it lucrative? Was it where you're doing pretty yeah, good? Yeah, I made more money than water skiing, but that's not saying okay. much. Um, <laughs> so you weren't making much yeah, money and you were trapped in this little room yeah. and just... Yeah. Literally, like, you know, you're waiting for, you're staring out the window, and then it'd be like, okay, now I'm just going to, I do push-ups, I'd run, you know, I was like, I'm just bored. <laughs> um, so finally, I was like, can't do it, went back to water skiing. And so I was water skiing again, it was a couple years after I had my degree, didn't know what I was going to do with my life, no direction really. Um, and I knew water skiing isn't where it's at, because it was part-time, no benefit, you know, right. you can't make a living doing it. But I was having a blast. And then somebody who was on the water ski team was also a silver dancer. Okay, um, there it is. So, she, yeah, that was that connection. I was a Spurs fan. My sister had season tickets. Um, I probably went to a third of the games with her. was a huge fan. 
Um, and what time are we talking about right now? Yeah, so um, I started working with the Spurs in 96. Okay. And my sister, so my sister was a season ticket holder from the days of Hemisphere. So yeah. I used to go to the Hemisphere Arena and we were way up there where you had the obstructed view and you'd have to like lean to the right <laughs> to watch one side of the court, lean to the left to watch the other side of the right. court. So we used to go to those games at Hemisphere. Back when the basketball was not exactly played at the level it is now uh, right. with the Spurs. Just, I mean, yeah, it was just such a So you were really dedicated, atmosphere. yeah. Um, so I auditioned, uh, this girl who was on a silver dancer, but a water skier was telling me about the Spurs were putting together an interactive squad and Hey, you should, you know, just looking for people that can tumble, jump around, you right. know, outgoing. Yeah. You throw t-shirts in the crowd, mm-hmm. all that stuff. So I was like, all right, cool. Went to the auditions, um, made that team. What did you audition? What did you do? It was like, I can't remember fully. I remember I tumbled okay. for him. And then uh, I think I just pretended to work a crowd. Okay. <laughs> a little bit of that kind of stuff, right. which was all I did at SeaWorld, right? Sure. I mean, yeah. that was my second nature to right. me, was tumbling and working a crowd. Mm-hmm. So it was super easy for me and um, got on that team, uh, loved it, you know, started performing at games, met the guy who was the coyote within. I mean, it was really quickly after I got on that team that I remember meeting the guy who was the coyote and sort of comparing. We were the same stature. We huh. were both left-handed. Um, is we, that important, or is that just weird? It was, it was very. I would say coincidental, but very um, cool that we were both left-handed because okay. it just helped keep that anonymity. That who's the guy? Oh, so when I would go out, so yeah. I started doing appearances yeah, yeah. as the coyote. You still wouldn't know. I never would have thought of that. Yeah, yeah, because he was left-handed. Sure, because people notice that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, like a Zapruder film sort of thing. People tracking you. Mm-hmm, very much, <laughs> very much so. Um, so started doing appearances of the Coyote immediately. So that was in 96, uh, that 96, 97 season. And um, once I fell in love with it, it was like, realized that this was a career. Mm-hmm. You know, people actually made a living doing this? What? Right. Wow. Um, I put together a tape, and it's so funny that we're in here, and this is so easy to do uh, right. do it yourself kind of that's thing a, that's, a, that's a very nice way of, of describing <laughs> our setup right now <laughs> my first ta- my audition tape I made I borrowed my sister's video camera I had buddies record me skiing yeah uh, doing a coyote appearance <laughs> then I just went to a basketball gym and took yeah. shots and did some tumbling and stuff like that had buddies record me and uh, like and, the like the Rex Quando tape, oh, from Napoleon yeah. Dynamite, like the it was thing. pretty yeah. much that quality <laughs> that it was like literally VCR, yeah, you know, blank tape to hook in the camera, press play, record, stop, stop, right, play, record, stop, stop, you know, to get my little cuts. It was so like low quality, low, low, low quality, but it's all I had. Now at this point, is this like? Is this the thing for you? You have you have seen Coyote do his thing. You know that the, do you know that this is the path you want to go down? Uh, are you putting all your eggs in this basket? Um, not necessarily. I didn't know what I was okay. doing. I was so green, didn't understand it. And so when I um, a team called me back, I flew out there, auditioned for them. They hired me. I still remember thinking, I'll give it a shot. Right. Hey, this is a real job. Yeah. Like, I get to work 12 months out of the year because skiing, you didn't work all year and I'd have to go find something to do um, in the meantime. So I was like, it's a step above where I was water skiing. Sure. I'll take it. And so really went into that. So green, but absolutely loved it. Um, 
And so really never stopped. I did that uh, for a couple of years, moved back to San Antonio and uh, went back to working for the Spurs as the full-time backup to the Coyote. Okay. Um, and did that for a few years until I took over as the main guy. Got it. Got and it. so it wasn't uh, anything by design mm-hmm. whatsoever. It was happenstance. I fell into it, uh, very accidental. Um, but I always knew when I saw, from the first time I really watched the Coyote, um, when I started working for the Spurs, because even when I was a fan, I was such a basketball fan, I knew there was a Coyote, but I hadn't really like taken it in as well as I probably should have. But when I worked for the Spurs and I saw him working, and I thought, it's easily something I was built for. Yeah. It really was. Um, all I had done was acted and been an athlete all of my life, and my acting was physical comedy. So it was like, I was meant to do this. like. It's what I do as Rob, as jokes with my friends right. anyway. Mm-hmm. Why, you know, the the tap a guy on the other shoulder <laughs> so he looks away. Like I was doing that as Rob anyway. And walking into doors, um, yeah. I was doing that as Rob anyway, um, just to entertain friends. So it just fell into, whoa, I can make a living doing what I did anyway. Sure. And it was, it was, uh, it was very awesome to get to do what I loved. Yeah. yeah. So from the from the point at which you become the full time coyote to you know sixteen years of doing this, how did it evolve for you? How did it sort of that character change? Um, you know, I don't know if the character per se changed. Um, it probably stayed pretty steady. the The world around it changed. A lot. Okay. Um, In what ways? Uh, when I first got into mascotting, it was, um, I mean, we're talking, like I said, and this is late 90s. It was such a different world in the sense of um, the comedy that you were able to do uh, was different than the comedy I was able to do at the end of my career. You just had to be much more careful in okay. how you did things because of the perception. Um, now, are you taught to clarify? Are you talking about regulations sent down by the NBA? Are you talking about the proliferation of, of smartphones and cameras and that yeah, sort of thing? Yeah, a little bit of all of okay, that. Okay, okay. A little bit of all of that. Um, I had to. I had one of those old school big map books that are like... The Mapsco. Yes, Mapsco. It's like 100 pages and right. you do the A4 and... Triangulate oh, wait, no, I got to go position. to the next page. Right. So I remember literally... You got the head on, and you're, got, yeah. Yeah. I would be driving, and I would have like half. You would, I drive with like the bottom half on, right? Because I'm gonna change in my car. So you're not fumbling with the maps, go with the big, fingers yeah, with the big fingers the, yeah. that you're like, I can't lick enough to get that page to turn. Um, so I'd be driving, flipping through a map book with that appearance form, and going nuts. And if you got lost, you had to pull over to a payphone and call them to right. say I'm late. Uh, you know where are you at? All that to what I had at the end of my career, which is obviously so simple, right. so streamlined. Mm-hmm. Yeah, such a different world. Um, so did your did your approach to this job change over time? Did you learn any tips or tricks of the trade that you uh, that you think you maybe didn't know uh, when you first started? Oh yes. For and what sure. are some of those? Yeah. yeah. So when I first started, I um, I understood the 
what I was trying to get across, but I always didn't know how to get it across, if that makes sense. And what I really had to learn over, it's very difficult to, um, one is, first of all, I called it a Rolodex in my head. And in appearance, you're doing bits. And so I'm doing a bit with you right now, Michael, but I've already, out of the corner of my eye, I caught a lady or three ladies over here and you know I'm gonna go mess with the ladies and one lady has a purse on the ground and I'm gonna hug her and I'm gonna grab that purse and I'm gonna go yeah so I've already seen that I know in my head I'm figuring that bit out while I'm still doing the bit with you so then I walk over hug hug take purse walk off as I'm doing that oops sorry I'll bring it back to you I've already seen this and I'm on to that so it was um it was a Rolodex of bits right so as I would uh, see somebody else do a bit. Or one day I would do something and be like, ha, ah, that was a great one. Put it in the Rolodex, Rob. Remember that one. That's a good one. Um, just like a stand-up comedian builds you know, a set. I sort of had to build that set. Um, and so, and then things would fall off. New ones would come. I would remember an old one, put it back in, that kind of thing. But I had a, by the end of my career, my Rolodex was so oh, large sure. that it was almost like I could go infinity right you know I had so much material yeah um, and then in a game I had a skit every game that I had to fill for years and years and years and years so you figure all these that I'm trying to do something new very often and so it was that literally is why I didn't sleep many nights because you know that game's coming up you've got to come up with something and it ruled my world and it's a 90 second timeout a right. minute and a half that would literally my world revolved around that. Um, but at the start, it was it's hard in a minute and a half to tell a story, to get a beginning, have a middle, and have your punchline at the end. Um, so that was a large learning curve, was mm -hmm. figuring out how to do that in a minute and a half, um, take some time. You have to get their attention quickly and hold it for that punchline at the end. So that's a, an acquired, skill for right. sure what are some of the ones you're you're proudest of oh boy um that's a hard one you know one that i uh i think of just because it was fairly recently and it's a classic bit um and lots of times you were doing sort of that like i know this works because i've seen it done or i've done it but i'm going to twist it and i'm going to change it up but that way i know i'm successful i'm going in with less variables out there um but this bit was Christmas time, come out as Santa, give gifts to fans, you know, here's a doll for a kid, a golf club for a man, you know, something for a lady. Uh, and then I had the ref mm -hmm. sort of act like, hey, what about me? You know, waving right. his hands like, hey, buddy, give me something. Aha! I got something for you, and I had the big red bag. Right. So I pull out a box, and this box is literally like two by two by two. You know, pretty small box. And of course, it's a cardboard box. I've already cut and wrapped that he can just open the top. But I had my four-year-old son in it, dressed <laughs> as an elf. So yeah. he and I practiced at home. Like, you can't be scared. You have to get in this little box. I mean, like, he is scrunched. And I was so proud of him yeah. because that's hard to do for a little four-year-old. It's like the guy from Ocean's Eleven. He is kind of yes, in the yes, box. exactly. Yeah. And I push him into the safe and right. we, yeah, around the bank. <laughs> um, this two by two by two little box. Hey, wait, what about me, buddy? Oh yeah, I got something for you. 
pick up the box, and of course I have to make it very much like I'm telling them, I'm going to bounce you around, be ready, because mm-hmm. I want to make it look like it's not that heavy. Right. Bounce around, set it in front of him, point to it like, open it up. This is for you, sir. And I've already talked to the ref. We've worked it out. Sure. He opens the box. Kid bounce out as fast as he can, runs over to the ref, kicks him in the shin as hard as he can, and runs off. Dressed as this cute little elf. Yeah. Not what people expect, right? Sure. When you think you should go right, you go left. That's comedy. So it was uh, a great little bit um, that uh, that I always loved. Right. Anything like that. That kind of thing I, um, was a favorite. Using kids, you're always going to win. Um, Mrs. Coyote... Um, Mm -hmm. I loved that character because I always enjoyed the relationship between Coyote and Mrs. Coyote that he acts so tough. But when she's around, he's like, oh, right. She's the boss. She's the boss. Yeah. Yeah. As I used to say, because Coyote didn't wear pants, that was a a running (laughs) bit that, um, you know, she's the one who wears the pants in the family, both figuratively and literally. Right. Obviously, interaction with the referees, you know, you don't do that every game or something like that. But were there times when uh, maybe people on the opposing team or referees maybe didn't take as kindly to uh, some of the bits and antics? Yes, um, I was never the kind of guy who really went after those guys. Um, I respected the refs. I've always felt like they get the raw end of the stick. It's an impossible job. It's an impossible... Here's a great example I used to tell... Guy refs that you know I knew, and when we're just talking, I'd be like, "That game when there was no air conditioning, when the air conditioning went out, right?" Talking um, about in the finals, yes, the heat, yeah, yes. Um, everyone talked about the players, poor guys. People mentioned me, Coyote. Like, how did he do it? It's got to be heard. stuffy in that suit. Oh, it was horrific. Like right. nearly having heat stroke, crazy hot. Um, it was unbearable I never heard one person mention a ref and what about those guys who are older than players and they went 48 minutes straight they don't get to go sit and take a break like they had no choice not never one person give them any love they're just forgotten right unless they do something bad and what a hard job they have um so anyway uh all that being said is, yeah, I had a great relationship with the refs. I don't remember your initial I question. was just wondering if there, if there was an interaction, maybe it was with an opposing player, maybe oh, not a ref, yeah. who, uh, who didn't take kindly to yeah, I guess what I did. Oh, yeah, and I was just saying I appreciated the refs and never wanted to give them a hard time. Um, just like the the ref who got kicked in the shin. Right. He's good with it. Oh, it's easy. of course. He's, yeah, I usually would try to make them a hero at, in skits as well. Players, I just sort of, st- I always felt like they got a job to do. I don't want to bother them. I've seen other NBA mascots mess with refs more or ref mess with players more and they, they think it's funny. I just was always like, man, you know, I just don't want to bother the guy. Right. Just like I'm trying to do my job. And now, unless we talk, he really wants to be a part and, you know, or I'm yeah. making him a hero kind of situation, I, I might do some of that, but I tried to stay away. Now, there were times mm-hmm. when, um, when I was doing go, uh, uh, SPURS and a player not only stood in the way, right, but sort of gave me a hip check as I'm trying to get by him to get on a letter. <laughs> sort of gave me a hip check, knocked me over, like just sort of to the side. Of course, the crowd boos. They just erupt on him. Right. So it was almost like I don't have to do anything. Exactly. It's probably good I'm just going to jump you. back in right. and keep going. I'm not even going to make 
a big deal about makes it. Makes your job easier. Yeah, it's yeah. like, okay, I, you got your moment, but I'm going to show you that you don't affect me, right? We're right. Big, I'm bigger than that. Right. I'm not going to stoop to your level. Um, but one time, and I cannot remember the player, but it was pretty funny. Um, I'm doing SPRS, and I, I was about to go do it. I think maybe I'd done it once, was about to go do it that second time. Stop the music. And I'm standing there, and I see the pl- a player, opposing team player. He's walking out from the bench, and he's halfway between the bench and the middle of the court. And I can see the trajectory. He's going to get right in the way. So you have a moment of decision. Do I go right now? And boom, boom, get in front of him so he doesn't mess with it? Or do I wait yeah. to let him come by? Or do I do what I ended up doing, which is was my favorite, was just to start. like shh. So I wait until he's right there. And then S, P. <laughs> just stand there like watching him pass in front of me. <laughs> like, really? Um, and it was just so funny. And then he passes by and I'm like, all right, you. Uh, it was just so funny right. to me to change it up. And the crowd booed at him. And you can almost see his face. He was like, what? Right. What happened? He had no he idea. he doesn't know the bit. He's mm-hmm. never been in San Antonio and seen SPRS. He doesn't even realize he's doing right. anything. But it was so funny to me. Yeah. Um, one of those organic moments that I love. I mean, those were the moments that I truly, truly, truly loved and would go to the back and I'm laughing inside and talk is the organic moments that would just occur um, were right. so much fun. Yeah. Did you ever, I forget, I should have looked this up. Did you ever have any interaction with Robin Lopez? I did do one. Um, I know a lot of mascots did. Yeah. And, um, and so... I didn't, again, it was like... I should say, for those who don't know, Robin Lopez is a center uh, who is notorious for doing bits with mascots. He's a mascot hater. Exactly. He yeah. isn't in real life. Right, of But course. he plays the bit, yeah. and he does it well. Right. Um, yeah, so Robin Lopez, it's well known in our little circle that, hey, do something. When Robin Lopez comes in, do something, do something, do something. And so I almost, it was, my whole take on the job in general was like, well, if everybody's doing it, then it's passe. I don't even want to touch it. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to do the new thing, right? Um, so it was sort of almost like that. And um, so literally the one interaction I had with Robin was simply I was trying almost overly doing it like, I'm not looking at you. I'm not looking at you. We're not going to, no, no, I don't have anything to do with you. I'm not going to have anything to do with you. And he's egging me on. Right. Literally in a timeout, sitting there, and he took like a towel or some paper or something and sort of threw it out, almost like a dog, like threw it out there, like, come get it, come get it. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, uh, almost like a dog would be like, my master says, don't get it, but I want to get it. Uh, I don't know. Uh, uh. Finally, I creep over there and I knew what was going to happen. So I sort of had my back to him so he could kick me in the rear. Uh, uh, grab the towel. He kicks me. I go flying, take the eyes, move them askew. Like, whoa, <laughs> I had my assistant come out and carry me off. And that was really it. And I looked at him like, yo, I'm going I'm to get you, man. Um, so it, real simple, but still was funny and got like viral, you know, got some play. Yeah. And I always thought that was so funny because I was like, I really tried not to do anything with them. Right. But yeah. it still happened. It's probably hard to predict when something you do, you do is going to go viral and get a lot of attention, and then other ones 
uh, may not get that. It's probably yeah. It's yeah. so it just so I've had some of those instances where something happened. I never expected it to explode, and it did. So that's sort of funny. The, when I caught that bat, um, yeah, that was one of those that it was a moment. Literally, there. I always said I'm. You know, people would say you do such a great job, blah, blah, and I'd say you know I'm just out there making myself laugh. I'm just having fun, and if other people want to join in the fun, and they enjoy it and they laugh, hey, cool. But really, it was almost a self-serving job. I was out there having fun for myself. So the bat was something that I had always, you know, you see, oh, there's a bat flying because there's bats that live up in the rafters, and every mm-hmm. once in a while, one gets spooked, comes down, flies around because of the lights, they get freaked out. Right. And so I knew that was a moment that happened once every year two years that would happen and so i had always said i want to catch one of those bats but it's so hard and in fact even when manu ginobili slapped that <laughs> one i remember coming out and right before he slapped it it flew by I me mean, it came by so fast you're like oh and it freaks you out it's hard to <laughs> how he slapped one with his hand i was like wow that's a man um but that bad thing it went viral and um but it was truly just I really, it was a bucket list thing for me. I wanted to catch a bat, man. Yeah. So I had had that Batman costume and that net laying out there waiting for the moment forever. And it came, I caught the bat, and to me it was more of like, I held that bat, you know, like through the net, I grabbed it to pick it up, um, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> I caught the bat! I've been wanting to catch this bat forever! I did it! Yeah. Not even thinking. There's people recording it, and right. it, this tens is, of thousands of people all around you right. while you're having this moment. Didn't yeah. even think about it. <laughs> I was in my own little world of I caught this bat. Yeah. Well, I want to be respectful of your time, and I want to know a little bit about uh, what's coming next for you. So, um, towards the end of my career, um, was having some issues. Went to see a doctor. Got had this blood test done. Found out I have this ankylosing spondylitis, a form of arthritis, mm-hmm. and um, and so I've known that for the last few years of my career, and um, sort of knew that okay, you know the doctors were saying basically you should not be doing what you're doing, uh, but I kept going for the love of it, and because I also felt like what I'm doing is also healthy, right? That it's motion. I'm active. And, um, and that's a positive. So kept doing it, but I always knew, hey, when I hang it up, I want to take the opportunity to uh, be a spokesperson for people who have arthritis and get to tell that story because it's something that when you look at a person who has arthritis, you don't, it's not a visible illness. Right. So it's so hard to really understand unless you've been through it what this person is going through. And, um, and I can understand that and empathize with the people that have it. And so to be a voice for them and to raise awareness for arthritis and to help raise some money to find a cure for arthritis um, is something that I feel honored that I get the opportunity to do now. And so I've known that I wanted to do that. And so I'm definitely going to pursue that as best I can. Sure. Um, and so I'll be doing that, helping Arthritis Foundation here in town. Um, I'll also be... Sort of, I want to, one, take a little bit of time. Of course. Spend some time with my family. But then, um, I've always had a creative outlet my whole life. And so now, i got to find what that creative outlet is. Because I know I will absolutely go nuts if I don't have it. Right. Um, so I've wanted to produce 
before for a long time and that's basically what I did as Coyote right I was producing this minute and a half skit whether it was a video whether it was live um, so I I understand the producing world I just want to do it on a much larger scale so I want to get into production in some way I also um, wanted I've wanted to write for a long time and um, this will give me a chance to just sit and write and see what I can do with that um, specifically like there's these stories I've told my kids for years uh, when they're going to bed um, that I just want to get I've just told them from you know I've set them from rote memory because I've right. said them so many times but I want to put them on paper and see if they've got legs sure to be able to be published as children's books um, so I definitely want to write something it's one of my, that's a bucket list for Rob um, love to be published love to uh, produce and then sort of sit back and see what the universe brings me mm -hmm. um, I feel like that's how I got into what I've done so far in my life was I fell into the water ski show. I fell into mascotting, and they were both perfect for me, great moments, great chapters of my life. And this next chapter, I'm gonna, I'll find what it is, and it's gonna be amazing because that's, it's always been that way for me, and I just, I go through life with that positive expectation that it will be. All right, there it is. Again, that's Rob Wykall, the now former Spurs mascot, Coyote. Rob, thanks again for your time and for 16 years as the mascot. Remember, you can catch Current Cast each week at sacurrent.com, iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. Thanks again for listening, and we'll talk at you next week. <laughs>